Hello and welcome to episode the 25th of Tamper Tantrum. I am your host, Colin Harmon, and I am joined from across the, 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 the airwaves and the sea waves by Mr. Stephen Layton. How are you, Stephen? I am very, very good, Colin, as always. I, I, every time we start with you, say, yeah, how are you? And I, I kind of say I'm very good, but I am very good. Um, I'm getting ready, prepared to fly out to Seattle in a couple of days for the SCAA. Um, it's a bank holiday here in the UK, so I am uh, having a day of just... Oh, I went for a run this morning, did a 10k run. Go and ask me my time. Go on, what was your time? Uh, 46 minutes and 55 seconds. That's fast. It's not my fastest, um, but I, I was quite pleased with that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've put on a lot of weight since I was at my fastest. So, uh, yeah, um, and um, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm relaxing in Birmingham today with my wonderful wife, and yeah, just hanging out. And I'm dare say there'll be some food and some beverages later. So yeah, all good. How about you? How, how is life treating Colin Harmon? Um, I'm gonna move my mic momentarily. Um, how is life? Life is uh, middling. Do you have that phrase in the UK? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's middling. Fair to middling. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Middling. Nothing too, uh, nothing too exciting. To uh, I'm also heading to Seattle, but I'm not doing it uh, the whole hog like you are. I'm doing it in. Uh, I'm flying in the ninth, and I'm flying out the twelfth. So I'm. It's not a long uh, trip at all, but looking forward to yeah, it. Nonetheless. I don't know how. I, I don't know how I did mine. I decided to do eight days. Yeah, that's a long time. It's a long time. What are you going to do for eight and, days? And, well, so my plan is is the uh, the Monday. Um, I'm going to go uh, to the Slayer factory, uh, and we're going to be talking to those guys. Um, and then the Tuesday, um, I've decided I want to go to Portland. Portland, yeah. I'd, I'd love to go to Portland. Um, and the last time I was in Seattle, uh, with all respect... Due to Seattle, I thought, I'd like to go to Portland, because uh, it's not that far away, and I think it's like a three-hour drive, is that fair, about that? Uh, I was told an hour and a half, three hours could put me off. Well, maybe three hours away I drive, and an hour and a half the way you drive. And then, um, <laughs> uh, so I'd, um, yeah, but then I'm coming back this time, and I'm not going to Portland. Yeah. No, it's, just, it's somewhere I've always wanted to go to, and I, I've got that time out there, so I thought I may as well. Um, and then, and then Wednesday, it's kind of the, the, the show starting, you know. As in, it's the. Are you going to uh, symposium? I, I'm not going to symposium. Um, I, um, I kind of, I, I, I've got stuff on the Wednesday, which kind of messes with it a little bit. I've never been to a symposium either. Um, I kind of feel I should. It's something within. I've watched lots of the videos, and I love the videos. Um, but yeah, I, I I haven't been to one. Um, so what are you go, what are you going to do in Portland? Uh, obviously, I'd love to go see Heart Coffee Roasters. That's what I would. That's where <laughs> I'd like to go. Uh, yeah, now Heart, Heart is somewhere that I've had uh, u- uber respect for. Um, I, I really like their style. Um, if, if if I get asked the question, which coffee would I drink other than my own, and three FE of course. Um, Heart is one that jumps to my mind, and I, I yeah, I, I would love to see their place. Um, it's kind of everybody's got to do Stumptown at some point Stumptown, in their life, of course, apparently. Yeah. Of course, um, but I, you know, my other passion is craft beer, and 
I really want to see some of the craft beer places there too. I would really like to. And is um, is there is there many craft beer breweries there, or is it just that they're into craft beer? Millions, oh, okay, millions. Apparently, they're all uber small. I kept said uber twice. Oh, maybe I'm being sponsored by Marco. Um, uber small. That sounds like an Irish phrase. Like, you know, it's like there's an Irish phrase. It's a little bit big. Yours is. <laughs> but yeah, Ooh. but um, there are lots of small breweries there. And uh, lots with massive reputations. Small breweries with massive reputations. So, Give me one. Give me one. I don't know any from Portland. Give me one. Do you know, I knew you were going to do that and I was thinking it and I, and I can't think of any <laughs> I, of know. I knew I'm you really knew because I, I could hear it in your voice so I was like, I'm going to ask him now. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Tom. no worries. You're a real friend. Yeah, no worries. Um, Anchor Steam, are they from Portland? I don't know. This is a, a lot of the US breweries. I kind of get, I lump them into the US brewery um, category because they're in America. And it's a very small place, right? Tiny. Tiny. Um, so, yeah, and I've heard the food scene's pretty immense there as well. There's a lot of that whole street food thing. Um, yeah, and I believe that um, the gentleman who owns Stumptown, uh, Dwayne Sorensen. Dwayne yeah, Sorensen. Sorensen. Yeah. So he owns a restaurant there. I saw some pictures of it. It looks crazy good. Um, wow. Yes, yeah, so you should go check that out. I have no idea what it's called, but I'm sure the internet will reveal all the answers. Um, so then the show itself, uh, obviously WBC is a big, um, the big pull. Uh, so who's going to win it? Um, uh, maybe we should ask the judges because they, apparently they know. They're looking for the thing. <laughs> well... Uh, I think um, up there amongst the favourites will be uh, definitely the UK competitor, uh, Mr. Maxwell yeah, Colonna Dashwood, who's yeah. also speaking at um, Symposium, I believe. Yeah, and also was in um, uh, was in the Asia recently uh, doing the WC All Stars wow. last week, I think it was. So he's had a he's had a busy month. He gets around. Um, but I mean, Maxwell kind of, you know, his performances are always incredibly polished, and and you know, we would definitely expect to see him in the finals. Um, and uh, I, I personally, as um, you know, SCAE UK chapter chair, would love to see um, uh, to see Maxwell uh, Maxwell win it and bring it home. It's been it's been a long time since two thousand and nine, so um, yeah, time for another UK champion. And outside of that, then uh, obviously. Um I'm going to go ahead and call him the people's champion, Mr. Charles Babinski. I can't wait to see Charles. The uh, Jimmy White uh, of coffee. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'll get that reference. He might have to search it. And yeah, well, they can do Jimmy that. Jimmy White might call it different things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure Charles will be amazing. Um, I cannot cannot wait to see his performance. Um, I, I've got a, there's a couple of people who I've been working with. Um, who uh, I think stand an amazing chance. Um, I, 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 Giacomo from Italy, um, like been so prepared, a lot of, lot of energy and, and effort gone into uh, preparing for this year. Um, ever since last year, where he, he, he used a Rwandan and um, used the Rwandan that no barista wants to ever use because he got potato in one of the cups. Um, which bombed him out. Otherwise, he would have made semis. He, fe- he, you know, he feels the rest of his scores were good, but this one cup kind of ruined it all. So he he's desperate to to come back and have another. It's game. always a shame about Rwandan coffee because it's it's 
like it's that thing it's like oh yeah it's just potato but at the same time it's potato and it's uh like what, what do you do in that situation because i know you could have you could buy like 20 bags of a coffee and it could be fine and then you could like pull one shot that has potato it's it's so hard to buy it and then to serve it as well I don't know if I've told the story, but in, in 2009, I was on the Cup of Excellence jury for Rwanda, the first one they did. And um, like we found so much potato. Because if you cup a coffee enough, eventually you will find it. And if you find potato, COE uh, rules mean that that coffee's kicked out. And on, on finals, there was this one coffee that we everybody in the jury loved. It had just been the clear favourite throughout the whole competition. It was like an amazing coffee. And on the last table, potato, and was kicked out. Um, and it's just so frustrating. I mean, that is a delicious coffee. And no matter what coffee you f- have from Rwanda, eventually, if you look hard enough, it'll turn up. Uh, in my experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of aligns, aligned with what we've... Like, we've had... Uh, I think we had a Rwanda last year, and there was, like, maybe four or six bags, something. And it didn't... It only crept up in the last bag. It just happens yeah. sometimes, but the um, it's a pity. And is it is it peculiar to Rwanda, or do I? Does, if memory serves, it's popping up in in Kenya and Burundi. Is that correct? Burundi. I haven't I haven't seen anything in Kenya. Burundi, you know, particularly. I mean, they 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 are on the border of each other, and they're super close. And and you know, there's a lot of cross border. Um, there, there's some schools of thought that you know a lot of Burundi coffee will get sold as Rwanda, and Rwanda will get sold as Burundi. Vice versa, because of the the border controls are maybe not so tough, and wherever's getting the highest price. And Doctor Congo as well, out there. That's kind of the thing. <laughs> Doctor Congo. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it's not something I've seen anywhere else. Uh, there's a lot of research. Uh, Tim Schilling uh, did um, a lot of research on it while out in Rwanda, and um, I know that uh, there was a conference in America that James went to, James Hoffman went to a few years ago and was talking about it, that there's lots of research in that it's a bacterial thing, um, that the, there's an insect that goes into the cherry. And, and I'm probably just talking complete and utter nonsense now. I, I'm, I'm starting to not trust myself. But it is such a shame because it, it kind of it stops you. Like It stops like Like if you're selling coffee to people, you're like, oh, they, they buy some random coffee and then potato starts cropping up they're like well they can't really deal with that you know you can't serve it it's not really um it's it's not really commercially viable and you don't want to give up on rwanda because the rwandan coffees and burundian coffees are incredible like really really incredible but it's so prolific in in, throughout the the crops that you see uh, across the country that it's difficult not to ignore it well a a bigger problem for somebody somebody like you know myself or somebody like yourself in the shop you know where you're selling bags of coffee to take home. How many uh, how many times do we not get a, ch- a chance to explain what that is to the consumer? You know the consumer shouldn't know about potato defects, yeah. um, and they will taste and just go that shop's hor- coffee's horrible. They do a terrible job, you know. Um, and that that's the biggest danger for me that we can we don't get a chance to explain. At least in the coffee shop, you have more of an opportunity to communicate. Um, you know this is what's happening. This is a thing. Um, I mean, we, we we put a write up on our on our last one, uh, Rwandan that we had up there. That was like we we found potato in it, and we were just like, if you find it, you need to email us, and we'll send you a new bag. Yeah. And we actually put that in the description, and I'm sure a few times people took advantage of that and had a ever refilling <laughs> bag of Rwandan coffee. 
Um, but it was worth it because I didn't want people to not, you know, to think, oh, well, this is the way that it is and it's horrible and I don't like yeah. it. But you, know, you look at the, the troubles of Rwanda back in, you know, 94 and the genocide and how that market has picked itself up um, and dusted itself down and created this market of quality coffee. It, it would be bad of us to turn our back on, on, on that market just because occasionally we get a cup that we don't like. But we definitely have, to, I would love to see money and research uh, and energy go into fixing. Because um, I'm sure it is something that can be fixed. Um, you know, the, 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 when that research was happening um, 18 months ago, two years ago, I, I heard you know there was lots of potential solutions to, to potato. Um, so I, I hope that that fixes it. Um, yeah. How did we get from barista competitions to potato? Uh, I don't know. It just happened. But actually, I remember just very quickly. I remember when when I first heard about potato defect, and I was like, I was. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to get it. Like, if, and I was like, maybe I've I've already experienced it and I didn't know, I didn't pick it up. Or, and then then you grind some coffee and you're like, oh, actually, wow, yeah, that's that's it there. It's it actually smells like potato, but yeah, like it, it is. It's the country's got like such a sad history. Like it is, um, I from from what I've read, the estimates vary between half a million and a million people died in that genocide. So when when it, one in ten, yeah, like it's incredible. So it's um, it's a country that definitely uh, needs help to get back on its feet, and I think that's a very a very good reason to keep buying coffee from Rwanda as well as the the, the quality that's there. Um, and a, and a country that is picking itself up as well. I mean, I think you know it is somewhere that he's um, going from strength to strength. It's actually one of the success stories of Africa. You know, it's it really is um, uh, doing a good job looking after itself. So. Yeah. Yes, Long way that continue. we should continue to support. Outside of then, back to WBC, so there's, there's Charles, there's, uh, um, there's Maxwell, and uh, I'm trying to think then, Australia, so there was another, Matt Perger didn't win this year, so that was kind of a surprise to me. Obviously, Matt was always going to go in as a favourite. But um, the guy who won is a friend of John Gordon, and his name escapes me at this very second in time, when I actually need to remember it. Um, Help me out here, Steve. Um, don't ask me for names. And also, you put me on the spot earlier, so I'm actually enjoying watching your squirt. Okay, well, I'm just going to Google it and talk at the same time. Um, but, yeah, so <laughs> another uh, another first-time competitor uh, at, the, at the WBC. Um, well, I think if it, it, the quality of the Australian Barista Championship, you know, uh, from, um, uh, you, you know, anybody anybody that goes in a competition up against uh, Mr. Perger and does and, and wins um, has my ultimate respect because that just shows how strong a competition Australia has become. Um, it's phenomenal. And um, Craig Simon last year was, was one of my favourite presentations. Um, he didn't do anything smart or clever, but he was engaging and charming and did you know great technical skills and did a great presentation you know he didn't reinvent the wheel but he did he did something that was really really good yeah. like you just st- stand back and just go wow oh, he's very clever you know, he was just technically technically was stunning yeah. um, really impressed and um, no I, I think Australia is one that you you kind of expect um, to be in that uh, uh, top 12 if not top 16 yeah. it's um, it's Sasa, Sasa Sestich is his name uh, he's from Canberra um, and he runs Own a Coffee and he's a very good friend of John Gordon If I, I might be wrong about this but I think he's involved with some of the San Remo um, 
um, kind of innovation that John Gordon is involved in. And John speaks incredibly highly of Sasha and uh, had told me all about him. I've never met him, but I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to meet him in, in, a, in Seattle. And um, obviously, yeah, Australia is always going to be strong. Um, yeah. And then, like, I don't know, like, uh, it, it, I don't know, it, it, do the favourites win every year? Is that, I don't know if that's less of a, a thing that used to happen. I don't know, it used to be a lot more uh, predictable. Does that make sense? I like think, when when James yeah, Hoffman won, everybody I, well, thought James Hoffman would win. When when uh, Klaus Thompson won, he was a favourite and stuff. But like, I'm not sure that like that uh, that, that happens anymore. There seems to be a bit more of a um, I don't know curveballs. Would that be fair? I think that the the top six. Uh, well, I think there's two two prongs here. I think the first prong is that I don't know about you. I'm I'm a barista competition geek, like I am a proper geek, but the streaming thing has really kind of died a little bit for me. I don't watch all of the streaming like I used to, so I don't know all the competitors from each country as well as I do until I get to WBC. You know, I may see their name thrown up there, but I won't have seen them perform. So I think that's the one prong. Um, I think the other part is, though, the top six, top 12 rarely surprise me. So yeah. from watching the performances, and you know, I've been lucky over the last two years to see every single performance from every single Barista Championship finalist, like close up, like super. Oh, that's because you're, you're you're doing the compare. Yeah, no, I know, but I still get to. I, I'm, I am lucky because I get to see it, all of the details and all of the bits close up. And from those, I I pretty much picked out seven or eight definites from the top twelve. Um, and from the finals, I think I was five out of six. Five out of six. So, so um, from your perspective, what what are the things that they do wrong? Like the, the the people that don't make finals, what do they do wrong? I think a lot. It, uh, all of the time, it's down to preparation. I think all of the time, it's down to being prepared for that experience. So, uh, you, you know, the first time you competed, Cole, you know, you converted your bedroom into a competition stage. You know, you practice like Daddy O. You were making coffee, you know, every day on the on the the coffee angel stand as well. You know, you were you were preparing all of the time, um, and and I still find it amazing now that some people go to a WBC and don't turn up very prepared. Um, you know, the reason like I was talking, we mentioned Maxwell earlier. Maxwell is one of the most prepared baristas I've ever seen. He is organised. He knows exactly what to do when. He knows what you know. All of his stuff is there, ready to go. Um, he has he has a good backroom team that also know exactly where everything is. So, I you know you can tell when somebody's prepared and somebody's practiced, yeah. and when somebody and if they're prepared, has... they're less stressed, and if they're less stressed, they make less mistakes. Exactly, exactly. Um, I think also it's it's the thought that goes into it. So you know, I think before when you've competed in the Irish before, we've been planning ahead. For the finals, which sounds really arrogant and cocky, but actually, if you don't, then you don't stand a very good chance of doing it in the finals. So you almost have to have that confidence that I'm going to do well in my national finals. So I'm actually preparing for the next thing as well. Um, so I think that that's a big thing because you can just tell again that preparation's gone in. Um, but also, I think it's about doing competitions. Um, you know, like the the people that tend to make finals are the pe- people who've done competitions before. You know. Um, and then we, you know, Nick talked very eloquently about that. Uh, you know, we, we, I've seen this person, I know them, so that can go higher. But I think it's more than that. I think it's 
more that they know what to expect. They know what's coming. They know what time they're going to get taken out to take their trolley out. They know what will be there. They know what they need to bring and what they don't yeah, need and, to bring. Yeah, and most people aren't used um, to making coffee in front of 3,000 people. So <laughs> when yes, that does happen, yeah, you're yes. a little bit uh, less phased by it, I suppose. The nerves don't kick in as much. Well, well as, a, as a competition barista that regularly makes finals in nationals but yet to compete internationally, um, I know that my second time of competing in the Brewers' Cup meant that I knew more what to expect and what to do. Uh, I know it's a completely different level, and I mean, I'm, but, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. But I did. I knew exactly what was expected and when I would be doing things much more than I did the first time I did it. And I don't think that's yeah. any different. Well, I think um, I, I think that's true. But um, I think I'm probably a little bit odd in the sense that I always find it more nerve wracking when there's less people. Like I, I'm terrified by the Irish competition. Like when there's twenty people watching, I find that like I, I can barely cope with it. But then you go to like Melbourne WC or Vienna probably is the one that stuck out in my mind. That was the one with the biggest crowds, I think. Like Vienna was colossal. There must have been two, three thousand people watching and there's cameras everywhere and you know, there's it feels like there's twenty people following you with cameras and clipboards, you know? Um yeah. and it was fine. Didn't care. Like it just completely just they, they, it might as well just be me by myself, you know. Actually didn't bother me at all. But you get to a small room where you can hear every cough and every person going why is he doing that and it's like it's that i find that more intimidating but i think i'm probably the exception to the rule in that sense no no i i i um you know a, a different side of the table but you know i've done all of the uk heats this year and emceed them um and found that much much harder because i can see the whites of people people's eyes than when i did melbourne melbourne was bigger than vienna by the way was it um, by about yeah, by about four hundred seats. I wow. think it was. It, it was very deceptive how big Melbourne was. Um, you also had the four sides at Melbourne. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. That's true. So, um, but it was. Uh, I, I, I when you see the whites of the eyes and you can actually see your friends in the audience, you start to think, and your oh, enemies. I don't. Yeah, and your enemies. Um, I don't have any enemies. Everybody. That's me. actually what are they? They're not enemies at all. I'm only joking. But one moment we had uh, when we went to Melbourne is that. At one stage in the, in the Barista debrief, uh, or the, the Barista briefing even, beforehand, they said, okay, there's a new rule this year that if somebody from the audience shouts instructions to you about your setup, then you're instantly disqualified. And me and Pete <laughs> <laughs> decided that we were going to go around and uh, just shout instructions at everybody setting up and therefore get everybody disqualified. But then we didn't follow through on that plan. But uh, if anyone out there is listening and they're desperate to win the World Barista Championships, then... There you go. That's the easiest way to do it. As long as you go first and nobody can do it to you. Um, so <laughs> aside from WBC, then obviously there's uh, the SCAA show, which is running alongside the WBC, uh, like it did in Atlanta all those many moons ago. Um, and yeah. this is, the, you're starting to see the last week or two, all the um, all the kind of the gizmos and gadgets uh, and product launches are coming to the fore. So what are you excited about seeing? So... Um SCAA for me this year, like so, so Vienna, Melbourne, and um, uh, uh, Rimini, uh, but also uh, uh, Seattle last year for the SCAA show, because I tend to sign myself up to do these uh, silly MC things that uh, I didn't get to see any of the show. So the first thing I'm excited to see is actually to see the show because I haven't seen it since 2009. Um, I haven't been to an SCAA show apart from last year in Seattle and I didn't get to see a, a single part of it. Um, I, I got to see some stands being broken down on the last day. Um, 
but it's it's I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Um, I don't think I, I I'm looking forward to seeing um, the uh, Achaia scales um, that they've they've been there's been yeah on yeah so Twitter they're, they're kind of they're I'm not the barista scale or something they're calling it that but then it's a um, it's it's smaller than the standard. Have you got an Achaia scale already? I have, I have. I I actually used four of them in my Brewers Cup as oh, well. Oh, I did. Um, yeah, so this one, actually yeah. one of the, uh, uh, um, the Kaya scale is, is very popular. I, I personally, um, I, I prefer the, um, the uh, I'm probably the only person, as far as I can tell out there, I'm, I prefer the Hario ones. I think they're just, they're oh. just easier to use. Oh. And, okay, well, okay, from my perspective. They're ugly. Yeah, but like, the, the Kaya ones are definitely prettier. Okay, the, but I've got the white one. I can barely see the screen. And then also um, what happens is that uh, you have to toggle between the time and the weight. And I find that annoying. And I know you can use your phone, but I don't want to use my phone. I want to use the scale. You know what I mean? And I've got, I've got so kids we, hanging we out of me because I use this at home. That's where I use it. And I'm like, ah. Now, I do like that you can charge it. That's kind of cool. But I, I just, I'm probably the only person on the planet that doesn't want to use an app with a scale. I just want to use the scale. So me and Pete came up with this idea that if we saw anybody using a Kaya scales in the barista competition, we were going to put the code into our phones and we've got to keep tearing it from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Is that possible? Um, Can you do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, we didn't. I, 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 I'd like to say that we didn't, I promise. Um, but it's a, it'd be a good idea, wouldn't yeah. it? Well, these, um, these new ones are, I'm going to say they're about... Five inches square, maybe, uh, and they're designed to be barista, uh, barista proof. So they're like they're waterproof and they're black, and they have this lovely little pad that sits on the top that will hold a porta filter. Um, if you want to be, if you're weighing your dose as well as your yield, um, so I think they're going to be like I would buy one of these. These look really, really cool. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that's going to draw a lot of attention. It's already drawn a lot of attention online. Very, very. Yeah, trendy looking piece of kit. So I think that would be popular. There are so many things in life I would like to actually make barista proof. Um, there's so many things. Scales are definitely one of them, but there are many other things that I'd like to make barista proof too. Yeah. Um, and mm. following on from that in a kind of a slightly uh, related way is the the launch of the gravimetric um, Black Eagle from Victoria Arduino. Oh, I've had one for uh, you. Me and you've had one for months. That's not a launch. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm I'm slightly involved in this in in, in one shape. So the gravimetric launch is on the 11th, uh, the night mm-hmm. of the 11th, and James Hoffman is doing the gravimetric launch, and I'll be helping him in some way, shape, or form, and I'll be talking more about the the Mythos grinder, um, and uh, which I've actually re- uh, you might have noticed me calling it the Mythos there, Steve. Did you notice me calling it the Mythos? I did notice you call it the Mythos. Yeah, okay. So I, I work with various different people uh, from Italy and Ireland and the UK and Scotland and Australia, all over the world. And they call the grinder the Mythos, the Mythos and the Mythos. And mm-hmm. as a consequence, I call them, I call it all of those things. And no matter what I call mm-hmm. it, people call me out and calling it that. So then I decided that, you know what, I'm just going to stick to one. And since it's Greek, I'm going to say that like Mythos sounds the closest to what the Greeks might call it. We should ask somebody from Greece. Yeah, maybe Stephanos. He'll know. I'll ask Stephanos. Yeah. So anyway, it's Mythos to me. Yes. So I'm going to do the, the Mythos launch with James doing the gravimetric launch because the two products work very well in tandem. And um, yeah, I kind of... Uh, yeah, I might be uh, stealing James' thunder a little bit on this one, but it's um, it's we've been using the, the machine in the shop for about six months now. 
and uh, it's incredible. Like it, it works incredibly well. It's 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 like you know you know what I always say about like um, that like really great machines you just forget you're using them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like so. Yeah, no, no. We, we've had one for a couple of months in the training room now, um, and um, yeah, no, we've been we've been super impressed. Um, I, there, there are some things I don't like. I'll be I'll be honest. There are some bit the, the scales don't necessarily work as well as I would hope they would do all the really? time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've definitely had some issues with scales. You might have the older uh, software um, on it. Yes, yes, oh, we, okay. do. we do. Yeah, so there, 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 there well, is we a, make yeah, we make whatever like four to six hundred drinks a day in it, and we have no issues. But there's definitely there's been like four or five software uploads. We make at least six. We do make at least six. At least, yeah. at least six. Sometimes ten if we're busy. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's going to be good. Uh, and I don't know if because uh, I know that the Larazoko are developing scales in their drip trade uh, that they would retrofit to to PBs. But I'm not sure if that's being launched or anything at the at the show. Have you heard anything about that? Well, they're launching the Linear Home, aren't they? Yes, the um, Linear which Home. Is, which that is, looks uh, very cool. Exciting. Yes, yes. Um, um, more, more, more disclaimers that we we are, we may be selling those very soon as well. So I, 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 I like you, if you don't say that kind of stuff that like we might be working with this and we might be doing with that, then you suddenly get called out when you do start selling them. But we are talking to Mazako about how we can. Uh, how we can work with those? They look very exciting. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful machine. The price point as well is uh, is very attractive. So it's about um, two two and a half thousand pounds, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's around about that point. So, uh, which I think is great value. You know, it's right right in that price point of uh, a little bit more expensive than the Spaziali S one that's kind of owned the home market for a long time as a dual boiler yeah. machine. There seems um, to be a huge opportunity you know, there for somebody to do something because the the only experience I really have with home machines was the Gadget Classic, which is very cheap, um, easy to kind of fiddle around with and improve a little bit, and it's yeah, that's about it really. Then you got the Rancidio Silvio, which is kind of the next one up. That's about about two hundred fifty pounds, I think. And then after that, yeah. the no Silvia's five uh, over five hundred six hundred pounds, I think it is. Really? Silvia. Yeah, yeah, it's an expensive machine, but a good machine. I've, I've produced some amazing shots from a Sylvia. Yeah. Um, you have to know how to use it. There's an awful lot of flushing. Yeah. Um, but I, I've produced some as good as, uh, you know, a, a, an expensive machine shots from it. Um, I, I've talked to manufacturers a lot about home machines because, you know, that tends to be my market a little bit more. Um, and... Every response I've had from them is, yeah, but the market's so small, it's so niche that, you know. But the market really is small it. because nobody's building something that will sell. I, I, I've argued exactly the same back that, you know, if you invested a little bit in it, then it could be a huge market. Um, you know, I, I spend most of my life telling people not to make espresso at home because they will be sad. Uh, because making espresso at home is hard and takes a lot of coffee, a lot of energy and a lot of time. And if you don't have those things, you should maybe buy a Chemex or a Kalita or, you know, some other brewing device that will make you happier. Um, so when, when you've got lots of people telling you not to do espresso at home, um, that's going to limit your market quite a bit too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely, I'm getting to that stage where I kind of like, I drive into the shop on my day off and I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> I should just get an espresso machine. So I don't know. I'll be looking at the Musica. I might get a Musica, uh, or maybe even something like a really old E sixty one type stainless steel jobby. That could be lots of fun. Well, we, we we've 
we've got a, a one group Slayer that's been has been customised at the roastery that we don't know what to do. There you go. I'll give you I'll give you three hundred euro for it. It's, Sold, <laughs> uh, but you can only buy parts from me. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it might come without one part. <laughs> um, so then, following on from that, the uh, there's a lot of grinder talk there, obviously. With the so the the mythos, like I said, isn't being launched, but there's there's a, a thing on it because it's weird. The, the grinders have been incredibly popular all over the world, and I don't think they've really rammed home in the US yet. Like I talked to people in the US about the mythos, and they're like. Yeah, yeah, no, I used it. It was, it was awful. I'm like, when did you use it? They're like, like three years ago. I'm like, that's a completely different grinder. So it hasn't seemed to have taken off there just yet. So, but what I, what what is coming and will get a lot of attention is both the Rober Cold and the Malkunic Peak, uh, and two grinders that are similar to the Mythos are taking a temperature stability uh, at two different ends uh, seriously, which is. Um, an interesting uh, development in grinders that the Mythos brought to the market and that, that they're uh, kind of adapting. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see them. I actually want to buy one of each. Ma- Massa, Massa, well, Massa could make a grinder that did my weekly shopping for me and I wouldn't buy it because I've hated them. <laughs> for, like, honestly, I, I couldn't. I, they, they have a lot of forgiveness to make to me. Um, it, like, it has to be really, really good for me to... to and it, what I've said, it looks ugly. Yeah, well, really Vince does. Piccolo tweeted during the week that he likes it so if Vince okay. likes it that's a pretty good endorsement so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to yeah, I, I think I'm going to buy one of each just to see how they go so it'd be, it'd be nice to play with them the Malkunic Peak is um, looks like the K30 uh, has uh, I think there's a there's an anti-clump flap similar to what's in the Mythos I think um, and some sort of uh, heat retention thing or other I don't know but uh, that looks kind of interesting too so in similar veins I definitely like to find out more about that. Um, I'm also really interested to see if they, they do anything more with this K30. Uh, sorry, the um, um, uh, come on, you're meant to help me out here um, with the spice grinder. EK43. Um, EK43. Well, the interesting um, thing about this, Mal- that's Mal- also that's also a flight the, number. That's also a flight number, you know, of um, uh, one of the um, Eastern um, uh, Middle East really? airlines. EK43. Yeah, yeah. The um, the interesting thing about the peak, though, as well, is from what I can gather, because the information is hard to come by, but from what I can gather, it, it, it's an espresso grinder that gives you a, U, a unimodal grind profile. Yes. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to, to see how it goes. So it's But it's great. Like, it's obviously, uh, I'm invested into the, the Mythos project and ongoing. Uh, but at the same time, it's great to see advancements in grinder technology because it was the forgotten baby. You know, but, okay. Uh, we, I've actually meant to have this conversation with you in private many times and I've never actually gotten away, gotten around to it. So we're going to have it in public now, okay? Okay. So uh, you may have noticed that I, I do a little bit of what you jokingly refer to as baby kissing, which involves me going to different countries talking about grinders and developments and projects and stuff. And uh, what, what, what I've done with James or with Gwilym or with Fritz or whatever. Uh, and... and kind of flogging these wares and getting people to understand what we do and it's all very kind of glitz and glamour uh, well it looks that way <laughs> not really underneath and you travel to all these these good cities and see amazing things and meet amazing people okay when are roasters going to do the same thing when are Probat going to have like a Steve Layton edition Probat roaster or Ambex will have a Steve Layton edition or like a Sangho Park edition or of, of the Proster or the Matt Perger edition of the Diedrich when does that happen 
have you met roasters? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, I was downstairs uh, talking to Roland and Gary the other day, and Dale walked through and says, what are you lot talking about? Roasting curves. And we were. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay. Um, like, you know, I, it's interesting because there isn't really anybody in the roasting community that's really kind of, you know, put themselves out there. We tend, we tend to be fair, like, and I'm not putting myself in this category at all, but we tend to be fairly, like, not seeking the limelight, shy and retiring. Um, but I think that's changing. Like I see me. a lot more, more um, chat on, especially with, with Cropster and, and people chatting about their... their drum speed rotation and their their curves and their their charge temps and all this kind of stuff um and i there was jeff whose surname i keep forgetting who's in belgium jeff Ferrell, i can't say it but he was talking about mm-hmm. um dropping green coffee into war into hot or warm water to heat it up at the start and then roast it which sounds crazy but i'd love to see what happens um and like this there is definitely a a, a gurgling of this kind of like tech kind of uh messing about uh with cause and effect that reminds me of what was happening in 2007 with baristas mm-hmm. yeah I, I think i think the one thing is that we a lot of that experimentation so a lot of the experimentation in espresso is fairly you know i think a lot of the experimentation in coffee kind of did happen um uh, before um you know there's lots of things tried so that you know there are certain there's like almost like rules of roasting that you just can't break because when we've tried to do those, like for instance, you know, the temperature always should go up, it should never go down. It's a golden rule that I don't know any roaster that says any differently to that. Um, you know, profiles, yes, but you never go backwards. You're always on that upward climb. Um, and I think there, there are certain parts that, you know, it, it's all very personal as well. So roast style, for barista competition, you have your parameters to hit you have your score sheet you have your idea of what the perfect espresso is the perfect milk drink as it's known now and you know whereas with coffee i think it's it's there's a with roasting there's a lot more personal part to it so you know you you have certain roasters that tend to roast uh, a little lighter you have a lot you know a lot of roasters tend to roast a hell of a lot darker and that's neither a right or wrong so and there isn't this competition standard uh, that that we follow, you know, both would be openly accepted by different people for being different things. No, I I I, I think I'm going to completely disagree with you. I think I am. It doesn't okay. because like you can't suggest that everybody that makes coffee makes coffee the same way. No, no, I don't think they do. But we have an accepted standard of do we? what we see as a correct espresso. So, for instance, you know, an espresso size will be within certain parameters. The extraction time will be within certain parameters. But if I say a Yergachev is roasted within certain parameters, is it? Yeah. I think, you know, you, what, if you were describing an espresso, you, hey, describe to me an espresso now. Uh, <laughs> so, like... I don't know, but it's so open though, because you could like, if you say, okay, well, is it eight grams or is it 30 grams? Is it, what does it go to? This, this, it's so open to interpretation, but it's generally a small beverage of, let's say. Okay. So if you turn up to a, a WBC and pull a 30, a th- you know, a, 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 a th- you know, a 30 ounce shot, what, what would, what would you get? Um, but that's WBC. It's not. Yeah. But we have that. We actually have that as a barometer of 
what he's seen as quality. No, that's, right? but that's exactly. WBC. You can't confuse WBC yeah. with, with coffee. There's lots of things in WBC that I don't agree with that I wouldn't make coffee with. And there's things in WBC that I do agree with and lots of people disagree with. So it's, that's only one. But we do have some boundaries and parameters of what he's seen as excellence within the barista community. Yeah, but at the same time, you've... you've, you've, you've je- we don't have that with Well, you, you definitely have like lighter roasts and darker roasts, but you definitely have roasts roast that everybody would say are definitely underdeveloped and they're like they're definitely baked or they're definitely roasted charred you know but but uh, this is i'll show you 20 people that will say the opposite and this is the problem with roasting is that that it is like i have this conversation every day every day about you know that we we that we roast too light and too dark i have the same conversation every day um on both of these things and neither are right and neither are wrong you know, it's just I, uh, and it's like the. I guess it's it's. You can kind of liken it to the coffee shop thing that you know you're going to a coffee shop, and if they make you coffee how you don't like coffee made, you won't go back. You know, and if they do make it how you like it, then you will go back, and eventually everybody finds their customers, and that's why the chains are full of people and three FEs full of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a funny thing about roasting though is that the the, the thing that get, I, I get that other people like to roast coffee different ways, and it's cool. No problem. That it's it's grand. I'm, you're not going to like every way, and that's that's fine. But the thing that, that that really gets me is when people say that this is the way that the coffee should taste. That there's there's some sort of divine path that that has been laid out before us, and we have to follow that path to where it's where to where the coffee should taste. And yeah, you have to, but you have to come back and realize that coffee is not supposed to be roasted. Coffee is actually supposed to be eaten by small animals and shot out at other sides of the mountain so that the tree can grow again in other places. That's what coffee's supposed to do. The fact that we pulp it and, and dry it and then like uh, then roast it over fire and then grind it up and then mix it with water and then drink it, it's just a really, really incredible and wonderful coincidence. Like it's, it's complete serendipity. It's, it's not a premeditated thing that's supposed to happen. Do you know what I mean? So when people say, well, I've roasted it this way because this is the way it's supposed to taste. Like, no, you're supposed to eat it and shit it. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so I'm going to disagree with you now because you disagreed with me earlier. You've really upset me for disagreeing with me. Um, but no, I, I think you're missing the, the, the... like I've said that a few times to people. You know, this is how I feel it should taste. And that's from my cupping table experience. It's not from the way that it's been grown. It's from on the cupping table, I experienced something in this coffee that excited me enough to put down a huge amount of coin, ship it from the other side of the world to, to Stafford and stick it in a roaster, you know, great expense and time and energy. Because on that cupping table, I experienced this. And I felt that's... I wanted everybody else to taste yeah. that. So that's what I'm chasing with my profile and the way that I'm yeah. roasting is to get what was in that cupping bowl into the espresso, into the brew. Yeah, coffee, but the, the grounding you know, into that person's experience. The grounding of your intentions is coming from the from the experience that you want to give to a person from the coffee that you're using. Um which is which is which is distinct which is distinct from coffee tasting a certain way at a certain point and that being uh, that the coffee has somehow decided that that where that's where it fu- its future lies, and you have found the path to that future. I think I think it's very it's very arrogant to say that I you know I've definitely found the the right way for this coffee to be, and I've heard that said, and I'm kind of like yeah whatever fine, um, but I do believe that you are looking for something from what you found 
when you initially decided to purchase that coffee and making it get to that place will require you to do you know roast in a certain way that other people will disagree with very strongly yeah. um, I, I agree you know, Steve I, I think we agree here yeah. I just, okay. I, I just, I've just explained myself badly I've, I've picked a good time to do it <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I've I've heard I've heard those the, the, you know where you know this is how the you know the really should taste and and no that's not and maybe they're not explaining themselves well as as well because I do think it fundamentally comes back to that cupping table experience where you just go wow this coffee's worth shipping a very long way and being very you know a, a very difficult process to get it to this front door um, and this is how I want to do it is by roasting it in this yeah. way. Um, but yeah. So outside of that, then is there any like do you, what I'm kind of looking forward to doing? Because uh, I'm I'm a coffee roaster, Steve. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Did you know I'm a competition barista? Yeah. Yeah. We should do that in our business cards actually for next year. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> you can get it instead of uh, Steve Layton, commissioner of business cards. That was that was my favourite suggestion. But it was. Um, good. It was good. The one. other thing that uh, I'm really excited to go and see, like kind of disgustingly excited is to go and see things like uh bagging machines and the little small um what you call them uh conveyor belts that you can stick onto your packing tables and like label printers and you know different size shipping boxes and stuff and all those logistical stuff do you get excited about seeing this sort of stuff too I do, I do. Well, you remember when we were in uh, we were in Germany with uh, a few years back at their barista, and they'd got the bagging machine guy, and I spent about an hour and a half bugging. Yeah. Him. Was, <laughs> like, What's this one doing? What's this one doing? And I bought a machine off him in the end of it. Um, but yeah, he was. Uh, I, I love all of that kind of stuff. I say the other thing I like as well is just like, do you know, like so, um, I, like Kalita, they do like a billion things. Like, they don't just make, you know, waves and cantans. And I love going to onto those kind of stands and just kind of going, oh, my God, what is that? Like, that is weird. And it only ever, like, it's only ever been sold into Japan before. We, we've bought these little plastic overcut brewers from them that are, like, it, it's the weirdest looking thing ever. And it's, like, they're really throwaway cheap. They're like cantans, um, but they're plastic. Is that the same? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but like when you go onto these stands, like Harry O, the same, you'll go on and they'll suddenly have something that you've not seen before because you know the, the, the European importer decided he didn't think they'd sell, and it's like this is so cool. Yeah. Um, I really want to see the the Chemex Brewers thing as well. It's only available in the US at the moment. Oh, yeah. like, that's one thing I definitely want to go see. And like just going on those kind of stuff, finding new brewers that you you know didn't necessarily know about can be very exciting. Yeah, the Canton actually just intermented. We. We get the cantons with the through you obviously, the cantons with the glass handles, and they do it with a plastic handle, and it kind of makes it look a little bit more dinery, like a dinosaur sort of thing, and they're kind of cool. I like them. I saw some of them. Oh, oh, the the waves you mean? No, no, no. The, yeah, for the waves, yeah. But the the actual server, you know, the server, yeah. the glass server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they do one with with a plastic handle that looks kind of cool. I like that. But yeah, honestly, you you start diving into those catalogs and you just kind of get carried away, like you really can. And that's why I'm really looking forward to the show. He's just going to see the stuff that other people don't bring in. Um, and I think the most important thing I'm looking forward to seeing is all my friends. I kind of it's been too long. It's like yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. Me and Dale. Um, even Dale. No, I said me yes. and Dale. That's, that's, that's oh. your friends. Me and Dale. Uh, no, I've got other friends. I don't know who they are. And they've never met you yet. 
But <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is that kind of like there's there's been times I've gone to actually last last year was a good example. It's like you there's no you can't really justify a reason for going. You're like there's no reason for me to go. Why should I? And then you just go, ah, fuck, I'm going to go anyway. And it's just yeah. it's always just because you don't want to miss out. <laughs> Um, indeed, indeed. we've got to do some recording while we're out there too aren't we yeah so anyone that's listening if you see us grab us uh, we're going to do lots of little short interviews maybe some video interviews if we can um, and uh, generally uh, are we going to be able to do some live stuff or I don't know we still have to decide all this Steve is in charge of this because he's the one that gets charged at making it electric and putting it on the interwebs yeah I, 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 yeah, I, I don't like live stuff because yeah it's it's hard <laughs> definitely maybe. maybe maybe we'll do some 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 short stuff maybe maybe I, I watched Nick Cho play golf on the Periscope the other day and that was live yeah was it fun no <laughs> okay. sorry Nick maybe there's a lesson to be learned sorry he's got a decent swing no, I think I th- I th- what I'd like to do is that you know when I'm from the show I think if we can come back with some kind of really kind of Content, you know, all into one, so we don't have wasted time in between. That's that's what tamper tantrums for. Yeah, the 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 podcast is for wasting time, not not for the the content we'll create. Um, quick shout out to Mash Beards, going uh, one going up last week as well on tamper tantrum. Um, oh yeah, 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 it's great. They're, they're going quite well as well. And then Ross Browns went up the two weeks before that. Yes, and it, yes, Ross won't mind us saying this, but and uh, and. Marks as well, but I don't know. I think that there are two ones that I love and you seem to like. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like, but because I, 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 I can. I loved Sangs. I must admit, Sangho's for me was from Manchester as well. Because I didn't see any of them. It was all fresh to me when I saw them. Yeah, I really like Sangs. Um, I really like Martyrs as well. Um, but then you know, Coffee Importer and. Uh, you know, I think I think we can call Sang a coffee roast and they're more than a barista. Um, you know, and then you've got really got two baristas. So maybe that's a little bit why. Maybe the audience. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. As well as that then we have the the World Aeropress Championships. Um, yes. So um the American champion um well, was a uh, Rust, Rusty Obra from Rusty's Hawaiian. Um, and is that the first year America have had an Aeropress Championships, or is that me making it up? I don't know. I, it's come to say I don't, I don't. I don't pay masses of attention to. You, you don't. Um, make... Not for any other reason. I, I normally compete in the UK one. I think I've done three. Yeah. Aeropress. I didn't do this year's. I can't remember why I was away somewhere. I think. My favorite thing about the Aeropress Championships, like without doubt, my favorite thing, are the posters. Yeah. Posters are awesome. Like if there was. A book of the posters, I would pay large amounts of money for that book. Well, yeah. No, they're good. They are good. Um, I, um, it, I I can't talk about it here, actually, so I'll just be quiet. About the book? To, no, talk, no, no, no. Talked about making um, uh, making different posters for different competitions. It was, it was in a bar, drunken somewhere. We were talking about the things that we could put on that we shouldn't. Uh, different <laughs> Aeropress posters <laughs> got quite political <laughs> I see I see but yeah so that's that. like the Aeropress Championships has turned into a bit of a monster like at this stage um, so the, my understanding is the competition is owned by uh, Tim Varney and Tim uh, Williams. Williams who are yeah. the lesser of the three Tims that we all know 
but they're uh, they own the the competition and, and running it in i don't know how many countries at this stage it must be close on 40 or 50 countries and it's become a little bit of a monster like initially i remember the first world championships were at host and it was kind of like um well they had world championships in in norway but at host it was the first time they had like international competitions where the you would go and you would compete um I, I, I competed in that, but I hadn't won any Aeropress competition. It wasn't really an Aeropress competition in Ireland. So I think I just kind of, as I've done before, I was like the default Irish person. So I became the Irish champion. Uh, and I did awfully bad and it was terrible. Uh, but since then, it's just turned into this monster. Did you make the one in Melbourne? I didn't uh, because um, because I, I didn't make the one in Rimini either. Um, because I was MC and I was being very good and was going to bed early and not drinking lots of alcohol. So um, I didn't get to go, which is a shame. I would have liked to have. Yeah, but they're like it's it's turning into a huge event. I'm not sure. There were rumours that it was going to be held at the Starbucks Reserve place, which is somewhere I'm really really looking forward to going and seeing. Uh, but it, um, I'm not sure where it's going to be held. Actually, you must look it up. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the Aeropress Championships. It's always good fun, and I suppose it's a like temper tantrum. It's another it's another satellite thing that happens outside of WCE. Uh, that will yeah. always be kind of closely connected, I'm sure. So it's good for the uh, the ecosystem, as they say. I I agree, and I I think I, I had mixed feelings about it at the start about breaking up. So they they have a, they have an English, they have a Scottish, and they had Northern Ireland competition um, this year, and I felt a little bit uneasy about that. But actually, I think it's really good. I think it's excellent, and uh, yeah, um, it's it, it's just like the football, just like the football, exactly. <laughs> I did, there, there are things I'd, li- I'd like to make it. I, I wish it, like there was more to see uh, while the competition was happening. I, I'd like to see some innovations in, in in that a little bit. But as a as a get together doing thing, I think it's brilliant. It's good. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so I suppose the next time uh, we speak, we'll be um, in Seattle. We will, We're, and we'll be making a content. Yeah, making the content. Um, so uh, it, watch watch our Twitter feed or watch our personal feeds, but. Um, uh, can I do some technical stuff as well before we finish? Yeah. I talked about it a little bit last time, but the feed has changed for Tampa Tantrum now. So <clears throat> if you are having any problems, um, if you tweet us or send us an email or just uh, let us know, it should all be working on, on iTunes as normal um, and on the website. You can now embed the videos on your personal website. And please do. So, yeah, which is something that we've never been able to do before, but as... as that's happened. So, you know, if you see a talk from Sanko and go, this is a fantastic talk and I want to show people it, you can embed it now. Um, there's also an audio only channel, which will have all of the content on, but just in audio form only. The channel as it stands at the moment on iTunes will have these and the videos on there. So there'll be a mixture of video and um, an audio on there. Um, but just search for Tampa Tantrum Audio. Um, and... Yeah, um, can you re- let me know. Can you reveal at this stage and who who will be the next video put up yet, or do you know yet? Yes, I do know. Um, I do know the next one will be uh, Mr. James Hoffman. Oh wow! Yes, yes. So from the Asia tour, excellent. Uh, that will be going up um, a week on, well, a week from this coming out on the Monday. So yeah. every Monday there will be content going live on there. So every Monday there is either a podcast or a video um, until we run out of videos, and then I'll. 
have to think what we do then. But we've still got um, Aida to go live as well, and we've still got Dales to go live as well, and there's also Brandon Lopez who made the film about coffees to go live as well. Yeah. So we've still got three lined up, um, and we've also got an event coming up in the next few weeks, which hopefully will give us more video content. Yeah, and then as well as that, I think it's great to see the numbers um, of people going back and uh, going back to the, the, the back catalogue of, um, of Tamper Tantrums. Back catalogue sounds yes. cool, doesn't it? It does, it does. And, and there's like, I think there's 80 different uh, videos up there now. That's or, incredible. Or audios. And, Pull out a random um, one there, a random one that you loved that's from way back. Oh, so um, I, you disagree with me on this one a little bit, um, but I love it, and I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, the Brewers' Cup champion of 2011, Keith Irish, Keith O'Sullivan, Keith, Keith O'Sullivan's talk on Fuzzy Logic, I really like. Yeah, that's pretty good. That, um... And also, I, I, I watched it the other day because I was, I've done, I've actually gone through lots of them recently because I've been uploading them. Um, James Hoffman's first one. At the um, uh, when we were at the Twisted Pepper um, in his frothy coffee pink T-shirt um, is a brilliant talk. It is absolutely brilliant. And your one that we, you did there as well on, he- on what I know about opening a coffee shop. Yeah, those three for me are the three best videos we have on there. And one that yeah, took me some of the most watched. One that I think is worth watching and, and kind of took me by surprise because I I, I didn't know him and I, I hadn't. Uh, I suppose sometimes like you knew him and I didn't and when you don't know someone you kind of you don't really expect very much uh, but it was Philip Sluter's talk uh, about, yes. about Africa and that was incredible really really incredible so that was uh, in Nice there's one more to go up as well I forgot about there's one more and I'm actually probably going to put that one up this week instead because I think it's only right what's that? Hiddy I have one from Hiddy oh, from yeah. Busan so uh, I think that's the one we should put up this week um, because it's topical Oh yeah, Hiddy. So that it was recorded on the Asia tour. That's right. That's right. Uh, in Busan, he only joined us for the one date. It was before uh, Matt Perger could join us, um, and because it was from different footage from a different camera, it's taken a little longer to edit. Um, but that one's ready to go up now, so um, that might be the next one that goes up. I think that'd be good. Awesome. I love having the pair of just deciding what goes up when. It's great. Playing God there, Tamper Tantrum HQ. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, thank you for joining uh, us on this wonderful podcast. Yes. Uh, I hope you're all well uh, on your way to work, lying in bed or doing whatever it is that you do in between. And uh, good to talk to you, Steve. I'll see you shortly in Seattle and we'll go for uh, we'll go for a jog, but not at 46 minutes. There's Java jog on Friday we've got to do. What? How far is it? Uh, 5K, I think, or 10K. <laughs> Easy. Easy for a man of your ability. Well, so. I've seen the hills in Seattle, so... This uh, this could be the last tarpa tantrum. So if it is, thank you. For I, listening. I will be going out running every day. So if anybody wants to go running while we're in Seattle, who's listening to this, we we should do that. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Good. Over and out.